Thank you so much for your invitation, um, Pastor David. I have very happy memories of this um, building from so many years ago, and um, I'd like to share with you um, some thoughts which have come to my uh, mind over the last um, few months. A statement um, from somebody whose life ended rather tragically in, um, on the 15th of February. I don't know much about her nor what she stands for, but Caroline Flack, former Love Island presenter, left us with these words. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. Kindness is that uh, human characteristic that, that originally started off as something we share amongst people of our own clan and our own family. That's really where the word kindness comes from. It's a Germanic Anglo-Saxon word, and uh, it has to do with the behavior that we would show towards those who are our own. And the word, of course, then got opened out, and over the years it has changed, and it means the kind of behavior that we should give to anyone, irrespective of who they are. It's very significant, I think, that Jesus explained the law of God in terms of kindness, that is to say, kindness in action. And here in uh, Luke chapter 6, Jesus explained this. Uh, he explained what it is to do to others what you would have them to do to you. Uh, his uh, question was uh, prompted by um, uh, an expert in the Jewish law who came to him and, and asked the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, Jesus' uh, answer referred him back to the law code itself. Uh, where all law students of his day would have been familiar. And so the young man replied to Jesus, this is what it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That, of course, is taken from Deuteronomy 6.5. And he followed it up with this, love your neighbor as yourself, from Leviticus 19 and verse 18 important thing here seems to be, though, that this expert in the law was not really satisfied with the answer that Jesus gave him. For Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. Wasn't enough for him. What he really wanted was a soft pat on the back and to hear a few words from God. You are, you are living the right way of life. And I am pleased with you, but he didn't get that. What he got instead was the story of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus rounded off the story, you remember, by fixing him with this question. The question was, who was a neighbor to the man who fell among thieves? And the answer had to do with having mercy and showing kindness. But this was unusual kindness. 
for it was the hated Samaritan who showed the kindness and not the Jew. So I'd like us to think this morning about the issue of why unusual kindness is so important for us. I think one of the answers really is basically because it goes against our natural instinct. And so if we come back again to the Sermon on the Mount that we've already had referred to uh, earlier this morning, um, we can see some of the points that arise from this that challenge us today. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 5.43 about the things that his people have heard. And so he says to them, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But Jesus wanted, uh, wanted to show them as he wanted to show us something better and he goes on to pinpoint it. And I'm referring here to the Sermon on the Mount as, as it is in Luke chapter 6. And he says this, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? It is the natural instinct. Even sinners love those that love them. But unusual kindness is when we love someone who actually doesn't seem to deserve our love. Somebody who, as it were, doesn't qualify for what we want to give. And it might be somebody who actually can't return to us in kind what we have given to them simply because they don't have the means to do so. A bit like Matthew chapter 25, you remember? Where Jesus was saying it's all about a glass of water to the least of these, my brethren. Well, in the time that we have, I'd just like to um, highlight uh, one or two examples here from the Bible of what we might call unusual kindness. The first one, if you would like to turn to it, is in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9. Um, and it's David's kindness to the grandson of King Saul. Now, what makes this uh, so unusual is that in our world today, it is common practice to seek revenge. Um, if we just look, for example, at the scene that we have in the Middle East, we have Syria, we have Palestine, and what is common today is that reprisals are taken against people. For example, uh, reprisals are taken where a rocket attack uh, uh, injures or kills a group of uh, women and children. It's not left to rest there, but it can happen anywhere. And so we have it in First uh, uh, Samuel chapter 9. But let's remember that in this instance, there are several occasions in 1 Samuel chapters 18 to 20 where it says that in his day, King Saul tried to spear the undefended David because he was jealous of the way that uh, David was received and his popularity amongst the people. Grounds for reprisal, we might say. But because of David's earlier oath with his bosom friend Jonathan, David took no revenge. And years later, with Saul and Jonathan 
now killed in battle, David asks this key question. Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? You notice here, he doesn't say that I can show my kindness to, but the kindness that is generic with God himself. And so they find, a, they find a grandson who's hidden away in the country in some place, maybe uh, living in dread that someday the day of reckoning is going to come, that he will suffer for his grandfather's stupidity and jealousy. And a knock comes at the door and he's summoned into the king. Perhaps he, he's there trembling before the king. But David says these wonderful words, Do not be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And he goes on to spell it out. I will restore to you all the land that your grandfather, Saul, possessed, and you will always eat at my table. Does it really get any better than that? In kindness? And after all, to someone who is lame in both feet, what is the good of a ton of land and acres of ground? But... David makes the provision here which underlines the beauty of this uh, act by making provision that Saul's uh, earlier servant, Ziba, will find people to till the land and Mephibosheth will eat at the king's table. There's, um, there's a second example of um, unusual kindness, of, of a very, very different kind that that um, perhaps you'd like to mull over through the hours of the Sabbath. And it's found in Acts chapter 28. It's the shipwreck on Malta. And here we have um, a very extraordinary set of circumstances because we have these people who have come through a dreadful experience of storm at the sea in a ship which is patently um, unseaworthy. There are Roman soldiers, there are um, uh, prisoners, and there are the seamen themselves. And they're all washed up on the island shore. They are all from a Greek and Roman background, but the islanders that they come to are not. We have potential here for an enormous collision of cultures and bloodshed, but it doesn't happen. These are people with a Phoenician background. But um, in relating this uh, account, uh, Luke says that the islanders showed unusual kindness to them. The first thing they did was to light a fire. Okay then, so what was so unusual about this? This kindness was so unexpected and it didn't just end there. If we move on for three months, when winter comes to an end and another ship is found available to sail for Rome, it says that the islanders then um, provided their visitors with all that they needed for the journey ahead. Uh, what was so extraordinary about this? it was that they went out of their way 
in kindness to meet the needs of these people. We can imagine that in actual terms this would probably have meant food, equipment, maybe even some, some clothing as well, so that these people could, could further their journey. There's a third uh, example that um, I think is worth our consideration, and that is uh, the one in uh, John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. It's the woman who is caught in adultery. She is dragged out of her house to stand humiliated in front of a group of accusers. They, for their part, try to trap Jesus with an insidious question. They say, in the law, Moses commanded to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Jesus, of course, did not comply with their subtle plan, but instead he bent down on the ground and he wrote there a judgment pointing to the very sins that were committed by their accusers. And one by one, beginning at the, uh, the eldest, the most culpable, they left the stage until she was alone. And Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one had passed a sentence. No one had thrown the stone. No one, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go and leave your life of sin. What is he showing here? I believe that he is showing us here an example of kindness in terms of mercy, working together with justice. For he does not condone the sin, but neither does he condemn the sinner. Uh, this is uh, amazing um, in itself. Uh, but what I think we need to be challenged with today, and I, I challenge myself with this, how does kindness appear in our society today, brothers and sisters? Um, I believe that we face uh, a challenge that is presented by what I would call the spirit of the age. Let me give you a couple of examples of recent experience. Um, a month ago, I was browsing through Waterstone's bookshop. I was looking at the section on modern history. And you know, I counted up no less than 22 books on the life of Adolf Hitler. Uh, there were biographies, quite obviously. Uh, there were stories of the Third Reich, uh, Germany during the 20th century, and the history of the Holocaust. My point is this, that this is popular reading today. It reflects our society's fascination with what is unkind and what is cruel. Another example, um, it's just over 15 months ago that um, I conducted my brother's funeral here in uh, Plymouth. Uh, he'd been in a care home at Mile House uh, where he was living, and that care home had, in 2018, celebrated 40 years of service 
to the people of Plymouth. Um, the founder of the uh, home thought that it was uh, a worthwhile occasion to report it to the Western Morning News. They rejected the story. It appears that um, stories of kindness do not make news and do not sell newspapers. Uh, after the service, the owner and founder of the home said to my daughter and myself, would it have been any different? Would they have taken an interest in it if there had been rumors of, of serial abuse and mistreatment of residents? I think the answer would have been, yes, they would. And somehow or other, the image of a pack of hounds and a, and a fox uh, comes to mind. Kindness in our society does not make headlines. Clearly, cruelty and unkindness do. So I think it's important for us to see how kindness is woven into God's plan of salvation. And I think probably one of the clearest uh, places that, that we can see this is in Romans 2, verse 4. Um, so here we have it. As sinners, we have to remember that we do not earn God's grace. Salvation is a free gift. But there is a temptation that uh, we might become smug in our Christian life, smug in our church life, content with who we are without realizing that we are in dire need of God's forgiving grace. So Paul faces us with the question that he faced the committed Jews with in Romans 2, and that is this. Do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? Now, in this kind of abstract term here of the riches, God's riches, he actually brings this down into everyday living. God is kind to us every day, he is tolerant of us every day, and he is patient with us every day. Why? Because Paul is writing here to appeal to us that God's Kindness is to lead us towards repentance. Brothers and sisters, this is the way that God's love is shown in action for us. And every day we may perceive his kindness through patience and his tolerance with us. Um, back again to the Sermon on the Mount, in the way that we actually live this, Jesus made it clear that kindness is not something that we must or should attempt to announce for ourselves. In fact, the moment that we recognize an act of kindness, if we think that we have done something, it immediately turns into an action of self-deceit. Because it is not seen to be kindness in that context 
it is selfishness and not kindness. In contrast to our common way of looking at kindness, God sees things very differently. And how differently is shown here again in Luke 6.35. He is kind to those who are ungrateful and to the wicked. Um, in the other context, back in Matthew chapter 5, dealing with the same things, it says he causes his son to rise upon the evil and the good, both the same. And he sends rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, that can be very irritating. If he treats them out there who despise his name and blaspheme his name so much, and he treats them just as well as he treats those of us who worship and do whatever we do in his name, isn't that sort of being a bit unfair? No, it's not. Because this is God's way of dealing with human beings and his way of looking at kindness. He shows an impartiality that is almost impossible for us to emulate. So in everyday life, if we then love only those that lo who love us, what do we get? We simply have this being said to us that if we are unconscious of the goodness and the kindness, then your reward, he says, will be great and you will be called the sons and daughters of the Most High. Time doesn't allow, but I had um, one indication of um, a dimension of human kindness that I think is a really burning issue for us today, and that is um, our kindness towards God's creation. Just very, very briefly, when we look at um, Genesis 1 to 3, uh, it is underlined all the way with God's statement of quality. Uh, after each day and at the end, it says, um, God saw that it was good, and saw, uh, God saw that it was very good. When we look at this, perhaps through 21st century eyes, we can see that the creation story is in fact bang up to date. What have we lost through our selfishness and unkindness to the world around us? What have we done to God's creation? Why are the systems of life now seeming to be out of control? Um, this was brought home very vividly to me um, about just before Easter last year. Um, first of all, last year was, was totally remarkable in the continent of Africa, whereas, if you remember, the news stories regarding the south of Africa were showing vivid pictures of floods, villages washed away with uh, animals and people losing their homes. This was total devastation caused by immense rainfall. But you know, I saw um, an exhibition put on by the uh, charity Tear Fund in Bristol Cathedral just before Easter, and it was exactly the opposite. After three years of drought, life was devastated. 
And I remember two of the graphic pictures that were, that were shown there. One showed a landscape that was brown. It had the dried remnants of plants and what were trees scattered around where there was sand were the skeletons of domestic animals. Uh, the animals that uh, the people would have depended upon for food, for work, and for transport. Uh, what was a fertile farmland had now been reduced to a wilderness. And there was another picture as well that struck uh, home, and that was the picture of a young girl um, scraping around with a tin can amongst the pebbles of a dried riverbed to see if she could find the remaining drops of water. The human factors, including climate change, uh, are causing untold suffering amongst the, in, amongst the most vulnerable people of the world. It seems that it is time for kindness to replace greed in our world, and that it should begin with us. As servants of God, we have a massive role to play, and a part to play individually. Finally, it is clear from the scripture that kindness cannot be isolated in the Christian way of life. I refer you here to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, for here kindness is wrapped around with love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, fruitfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Unusual kindness is a way to people's hearts, and it is the drawing power of the gospel. As a teenager, yes, uh, I was shown unusual kindness by the members of this church. Uh, fellowship and friendship of various kinds were shown to me and I do believe that by the grace of God, that is one reason why I am here today. I would say, let us thank God for the immeasurable kindness that he has shown to us through Jesus Christ uh, in such a way as to enable us to, say, to, to save us from sin, or him to save us from sin. Let us be grateful also for those many people who persevere in so many walks of life to bring God's unusual kindness to the rest of humanity. As Christians, we are looking for the blessed hope of the return of our Saviour, who will bring justice and rectify all that is wrong with this world and all that is unkind. So we are called, therefore, to be witnesses to God's unusual kindness in our own personal lives through Jesus Christ.